0: Hello, fellow Liverpoolians, and welcome to the latest edition of the LFC Report podcast. Once again, I'm Les Lawson, your host, and I'm joined as usual by the Keegan and Toshyak of this podcast, Pete Warburton and Tommy Keegan. Now, we'd like to start today. we we'll be starting the pod with looking back at the game against Nos Forest, and we'll have a little chat after the Forest chat with um, with a. I'll talk about the FA Cup semi-finals, and then we'll finish the pod. With a preview of the West Ham game on Wednesday, so we'll start with you tonight, Tom. Um, you know, first of all, what was your impression of the game against Forest? But before you come in with that, I'd just like to say, you know, I'm sure you two lads will agree with this: the the the, the banner that Peter did that we had on the podcast last week, you know, for about in support of the Hillsborough '97. I thought that was received brilliantly by the the fans at Anfield when it was unveiled at six minutes past three.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a lovely gesture by Peter. And I think it was received all around the ground, wasn't it? About three, three sides of the ground were open clapping and then started singing Justice for the ninth ninety six, and we said always which was amazing. 97. You know, I know, but they were singing 96 for some strange reason, less. <laughs> but um once they started and so it was really well we re- you know like well received. I thought Peter was was I, I, he was, you see, he come across as a really genuine fella, and I, and I hope now this, this is a start where it'll start to spread to other clubs, you know. And I, th- I, th- I think, do you know, we did say when we, 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 were, we were talking about the only way you, you can see it going is that if other clubs do it, and then the, the clubs make statements, and then eventually punishments start getting given out, and then hopefully, for what we've done. I think it's a good, it's been a really positive thing. You, Pete, what did you think of that, Pete?
2: Yeah, well I, I sit in the lower main stand towards the away fans. I had a I had a really great view of it. I thought I was I was trying to spot Pete to see if I could give him a wave, to be honest. Because I was gonna meet him before kickoff, but I think he was just so busy with everything I didn't get to meet him. But yeah, it's um, it, it it could it may maybe this is what it takes. I mean, I know Nottingham. I think I mentioned in in the program last week that it's not just Liverpool fans who suffered Nottingham Forest did, because they were they were looking first hand at some of the unfolding you know tragedy that was going on. But hopefully this will be the stars of other fans, other clubs, realising. We know every every set of every football club has got sets of idiots within them, and, and we can we can count Liverpool in one of them, but not so much the tragedy chance. And you just think, you know, it's it's taken 34 years, and yet people are still thinking it's banter to talk about people dying at a football match, and it's just totally out of order. And it'd be nice if between now and the end of the season, other clubs. So I'm not saying unfail banners every week, but at least stop all this idiotic chancing because it, it it's 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 just not right it, it it's a sour taste every time you get these away fans coming up and they think that you're they're getting they're getting your goats up and riling you and it's it's more upsetting than anything else you know it's more upsetting i mean there were a few chants from forest about signing on and stuff like that which which you get every week which i thought was a bit rich coming from nottingham because as Peter was saying in last last week there have areas of deprivation, just as Liverpool do. Um, but yeah, it was a great, it was a great thing that he did, the Forest fans, and it was well appreciated. And it was heartfelt. It wasn't just a, a token round of applause. It was, it was really well, well received by the Liverpool fans.
0: Yeah, I'd just like to echo what Pete and Tom said there and say, I just hope it's the catalyst for things to, to move forward now, and for other fans now to grasp the nettle and realise that. You know, there's no, there's no one in singing about 97 football fans that, that that were unlawfully killed at a football match. You know, they were fellow football fans and, and where tragedy is concerned, colours should be put away. You know, football has no colours when there's a tragedy. So just let's that what Pete and the Notts Forest fans did at Anfield on Saturday, with that banner, gets the message across to other fans. And, you know, from now on, you know, there's no more songs about tragedies of any description by any set of supporters about any other set of supporters or any other football team, right, Tom? So, what were your Im- impressions of the of the game on Saturday? Then, it, do you know the game?
1: I, I thought the game mirrored our season, really, Les. You know, in so much as the way we started against we started against Leeds, we 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 had a bit of possession and we kept possession. We we didn't create. We had created a couple of chances in the first half. You know, overall, I, I don't think I don't think Forest really created much. And then we went in. And I think Jotter had a, a brilliant chance for a header, which he put wide. And then I think we went in at nil nil, and you were, you were thinking, which what well, sort of Liverpool side are we going to get? And then the second half, and it's the total opposite. We come out right from, we were, we were sharp when we come out. We were decisive, we scored right away. And then, you know, and then I, I thought we were a bit, to be to be fair, I, I thought that force for us out. And they, they come at us, really. They decided to have a go at us. I thought the goal was a bit, by Nico, was a bit, there was a deflection in which I thought he was, you know, he was unlucky, unlucky with the deflection. I think Allison would have saved it. I didn't had, had, had it not been deflected. But we come back, we scored again, you know, another really good goal by Jota. And then and then again we done, you know, we 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 done the same sort of thing. We sort of sat back and then Nottingham Forest pushed up and then they got another another goal. I'd like to say it was that was another deflection, but I think they that was going in, I think. but And then we scored again. And then they really went at us. And then for, for about a 15-minute period, they put us under extreme, real pressure. And I, I, it, as I say, it mirrors our season, really. It's, you know, like it was what should have been a comfortable win turned out to be a much tougher game but as I said here at the end of the at the end of the game in this season, three points is three points in this topsy-turvy season, and, and I, I I was more than happy at the end of the game with the three points. I must admit, Lee, my son Lee, had and said to me halfway through three th- three quarters through the game, "If you could blow for full time now, would you?" And bizarrely enough, I said I would. Do you know, and I think that summed it up really. Pete, what did you think, mate?
2: Yeah, I thought it was similar to the Leeds game in the in the first half. In the fact that I think I said for the Leeds game, we were a couple of heavyweight boxers just sort of sparring really rather than having a go. Um but we had more chances in the first half. Like Tom said, we had the Josser header and we also had the Van Dijk header from the corner. And there was a there was a good chance where Trent just overran the ball, otherwise he was in. In this on this, you know, literally to pull it back on the six-yard line. Um, but similar to the Leeds game, half time came, and then it suddenly it, it it reminded me like of a of a cup final, the second half, the way Forrest suddenly, you know, they, they flexed the muscles. And in fairness to them, that lad up front who was giving Canarsie one hell of a game. That I won you, what a what a you know, and the the pair of them were going as a hammer and tongue, and they'd go in for 50-50s and they were grappling and stuff. And then they both get up and shake hands or give high fives to one another. They were really enjoying it. Um, it was just it was just disappointing the, the nature of the goals we gave away. As Tommy said, the, I think um Nico's was going to be saved, and the deflection took it over Ali. Um, but even at 3-2, when we got our noses in front, they at the bar after that when they brought that Johnson on. I was glad he started on the bench. That lad, he's a good kid. Um, and then he brought Johnson on, he hit the bar. And they had a couple of other sort of half chances, if you want. And at the end of the, the end of the game, he could have ended up four or five all, to be honest. And I think if Forrest keep applying themselves the way they did in the second half against us, I know they've got some tough fixtures coming up, but I think they could probably scrape out of um, the relegation zone. I think they've got Leicester. I think they might have Leeds this midweek as well. So they've got some games with teams around them. Um, I know they've got Chelsea and I think I'm not sure I know they've got some forrest, the just,
0: play. Sorry people Forest played Brighton at home this week
2: Um Brighton, yeah
0: Leeds yeah. have got Leicester at
2: home Right Okay Okay But I know I know. Peter was saying last week on the programme they, they have got a bit of a tough running um, but I think if they can apply themselves but I, I was just glad like Tom said we were sort of puffing and blowing the last couple of minutes and we were you know we were wanting the final whistle and I think we deserved to win, but they really gave us a bit of a game that second half. And uh, as I say, the lad up front, my only worry is that uh, Antonio may, may have looked at that and he's, he's up for the game on Wednesday because he's the same kind of lad, big and boisterous lad, and he's going to get stuck in. But um, yeah, the, I think overall we deserved a win, but it was a close run thing in the end.
0: Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree a lot with what Bulte said there I thought. We started off the game very similar to what we did against Leeds. I thought the tempo needed to be a little bit quicker. I didn't think you just highlighted them there. I think we created two things from open play in the first half, the Jota header, where he should have scored, and the Trent run where he where he overrun it when he when he got in. But most of the other situations that we created really come from set pieces, which was a which was a little bit worrying for me that we didn't really create more from, from open play. Forrest, Forrest had five across the midfield, which is why they left Johnson out. And I think that that might be a catalyst for them going forward and a, a blueprint that they can wear to maybe for the rest of the season in terms of pack the midfield, leave a one knee up front and have Brandon Johnson to come on in the last 15, 20 minutes with his pace to try and grab them a goal if they need it or if they... You know, if they're already ahead to get a, to get further ahead in the game. So you have to give them a little bit a bit of credit for the work they did, especially at half-time, because in the first half, I actually thought Trent was really influential going into that inverted midfield role as it's now being called. But in the second half, he didn't seem to be getting as much room as he was getting. They were closing him down a lot and he was nowhere near as effective as he was in the in the first half. I thought that the three goals we scored were really good goals, especially the ones by, you know, the Jota volley and the Salah volley. And it was good anticipation by Jota, you know, with the you know, to come onto the header, the Fabinho had knocked back across. All in all, like like Tommy and people said, there, you know, come come the the final whistle. I was glad to hear it and come away with with three points that keeps our slim hopes of getting in the top four alive. You know, had we, you know, had that Brandon Johnson one gone in and, and, and finished three three, then you'd have probably been saying, right, that was the final, the curtain down on our top four hopes. But as it as it goes, we we go into West Ham, you know, on Wednesday night now, you know, with still a hope of, you know, of of getting top four, that hope might only be slim, but you've just got to go and get as many points as you can and see where we where we finish at the end of the season but yet all in all I was really glad at the three points but the performance you know was probably maybe overall maybe a six out of ten possibly um it' you know a one year the right battle um between them and he looked he looked as, as though he's got plenty of potential that lad to get better and better um and I just think that Again, we caused our old problems because we're not quite used to the to the new system yet. Um so hopefully that will improve as the as they play it more and the players get used to it. One thing I want to ask you, and I think I'll I'll come to you first on this one, Pete, is that what did you make of our midfield on Saturday? Again, he went in unchanged with you know Curtis, Fab, and Hendo. Do you think Maybe it was a game too far for those three, considering they played, you know, all the previous games together. Do you think they looked a bit heavy-legged? What was your views? Yeah.
2: Yeah, possibly. I think um I think we were discussing at half time that cases seemed to be, and I'm not having a go at the lad, but he, he he played so well at Leeds the other night. And I think we just expected him to carry on from there, but he 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 sort of was playing his safety first, if you want. But I noticed a couple of times on the on on the first half when he was going down the left wing and we lost possession. He really worked hard coming back to tackle back. And that was one thing that I did notice on Saturday. We seem to be we seem to be sort of pushing teams where we were standing off them a bit more. Um we seemed to be you know pushing onto them. Even for know won possession back two or three times where latterly the the last few games the game's been passing him by to be honest. But yeah, maybe it was the game too far. And I think maybe for the West Ham game, I think, um, I think Jeger might shuffle a pack and you know, and he he might sort of change the midfield. He might bring Harvey back in. Um, I don't know. He he's he's probably looking at games thinking, you know, he doesn't want to play the same eleven every week. I mean, Nunes is has, has been starting on the bench, even though Josh has scored two and most scored, he may even shuffle a pack up top. He may, he may give um Cody a rest and bring Nunez in. Uh, I mean, Diaz came on and his, his little cameo was fantastic. The last 10, 15 minutes, some of the running he didn't, carrying the ball. But, yet, maybe it was just a game too far for the midfield. Um, I don't think it was Endo's best game for a while. And, as I say, I think Fab, we, we all we all know what we've said about know We think he's, his legs have gone on that. But he was, you know, he was closing down, and I think that was the one thing to take from it. Um was the fact that we were closing Forrest down quickly and trying to win the ball back higher up
1: the pitch than we have been doing, you know.
0: What did you think, Tom? Yeah, similar
1: I thought Curtis he started off all right, Curtis, within the the first thing, but as he he, he sort of reverted back to, to how he sort of he was earlier in the season, knowing he sort of its safety first, but as Peter said, he did do a lot, of, he did do some a lot of running and he did do a lot of tackling, but um I think it, it it probably was a game too many for them. But even when Thiago come on, he struggled a little bit. You know, he struggled to get into the into the game, which which surprised me a little bit. But I think there will be changes against um, against West Ham in midweek. But it's what we've got available. You know, you you're not a great lover of Harvey, but I think. I think we're gonna we're gonna have to shuffle the pack up because we're gonna we've got a lot of games in 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 a shorter space of time, so I think we can't sort of expect to be playing Henderson, Thiago, uh, and Curtis and and for more or less every week. So we've gotta we've gotta look to it. Totally agree with what what Peter said about Diaz. I think even just, I think there was one little patch where he where he chased back, kept all the possession, it was brilliant to see him, and then got onto the crowd, you know, like to lift the crowd, which I thought was brilliant. It's great to see him back. He'll only get better as as time goes on, so that'll be a bit of a plus. Bit disappointed with, with over Nunes at the moment because we seem to be i don't know he's he's not getting as much time as we as i don't know for the reason why no jota started scoring now and i think jota works harder for the team whereas Nunez doesn't tend to, to to push back or or help or push into midfield so i think that's where why jurgen has gone with jota but i i, I think it, it's going to be interesting to see when we start to to, to pick what we're, what we're going to have for the team, where Nunes fits in. Do you know what I mean? I think he's he's a tremendous player, but we're looking at Jota now. Does he look the better balance? You know, it, it, it's a hard one. And also as well, with 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 Diaz coming in, you know, he's going to be, it won't be long before he's holding down a place. But the midfield, I think, yeah, I think we'll see changes. And I think we'll be we'll be cheering Harvey on, on Wednesday just <laughs> for you, Les.
0: Don't get me wrong, Tom. If Harvey plays on Wednesday and whenever Harvey plays, I'm always cheering him on. Unfortunately, I just don't think the lad fits the way Liverpool want to play because I don't think he's... I think he's stuck a little bit in between. I don't think he's quick enough to play up front and I don't think he's clever enough, quick enough or strong enough to play in a midfield three, so I think we've got we've got a problem about to fit that piece of the jigsaw into the Liverpool team. And the, the, the final thing I will say on Harvey is, you know, he'll never ever let you down. He'll always work hard. He's a red through and through. I love his attitude a bit. I will never ever take that away from him. But like every player, you have to judge him on what you see, and I just don't see where he fits into how Liverpool want to play. And I don't think he's good enough to sort of say, right, Harvey is that good that we build a team around him. So I think he either has to fit in the system that we want to play or we have to sort of hold our hands up and say, we love you, Harvey. You know, we really wanted this to succeed. But unfortunately, you you don't fit the systems of how we want to play. But going back to to what my views were on the midfield at the weekend, I thought I totally agree with what Pete said in that I, I thought Endo was particularly poor. I I didn't think Fabinho was much better to be honest. And um, I'm finally Curtis reverted back to type. Every everything was safe, and I was only I was only thinking over the last sort of twenty four hours when you you know was thinking ahead to this podcast and what we were going to talk about and thinking about, you know, this was his fourth or fifth game that he'd started on the bounce. And within that period of time for a player who I watched both under-18 and under-21 or under-23 level score so many goals and be so creative around the opposition box and who scored a fantastic goal that we'll always remember against Everton in the FA Cup. When we had our reserves out, I just think that in those games and you lads sort of contradict me here and wrong here. I can't remember him having the shot at goal. Do you, do you know what though, Les? I, I,
1: I, we do we we're not privy to know what what Jürgen wants him to do. Do you know what I mean? That's maybe a fair. Do you know? Maybe maybe he's playing within himself. Did this kid? It, he, he does all his career. You know it if You've watched the under eighteen. Pieces watched the under 18s at twenty first. I watched him as a kid coming through as well. He, 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 he. he what he was always a, a an offensive player, and that was his his strength. Is when he run with the ball, but yeah, I, I don't know whether I don't know whether it's it's the rules he's playing under, where his, his job is to keep possession. And to and to track, chase back and do what because he he doesn't get into scoring positions, he, mm-hmm. and 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 I've seen I've seen enough of him to know that he's got that in his game, and I, I think that that's my only my, my only concern with Curtis. Yeah, Tom, it it could well be as as Les has just just
2: sort of touched on before. It could well be the system that Klopp wants us to play. You don't see. Many of our midfielders running beyond the forwards. Do you? You don't see them doing. You know, I mean, the master of that area was Terry Mack. The run and even Ray Kennedy and people like that. And it may just be that he's he's a he's a victim of the system that Liverpool want to employ. And similar to Harvey Elias, who's undoubtedly a very talented kid, maybe maybe Kersis is suffering with that. Maybe that's, that just goes with the way that Liverpool are playing at the minute. We just don't seem to have those midfielders currently, who are, who are going to run beyond. And I, mean, I think our, our game is our game is not sort of
0: tailored for that at the minute, you know. Yeah, there was one incident that you might have, you might have picked it up, Pete, because it was on your side in the first half, and and Kate got the ball sort of just over the halfway line in the top end when we were kicking towards the half the old end, and he got the ball in loads of space. And he had space in front of him to drive forward the pace. Mm-hmm. And he turned round a couple of times. And by the time he'd, he'd looked up and decided what he was going to do, he then paid the safe pass to, yeah, yeah. to, to Virgil. Right. And I was I was thinking about that at, at the time and after the game. And I was thinking, if that had been Pesciac there, he'd have just drove forward. And what I'm saying about that is Pesciac is more... an uh, a defensive player, if you like, than an offensive one. But Pichetti's natural reaction there would have been right. There's space ahead of me there for me to run into. And I I just want to say, I like Curtis Jones, don't get me wrong, because I've seen what he's capable of at under-18 and under-21 and 23 level. I know that he's capable of of much more than we're seeing. You know, when he plays for the first team, and he's a lad that's not short of confidence, and I as I say, the only thing I can put it down to a little bit is as Tom said earlier on, is that he plays the sort of instructions, or he's not he hasn't got that extra little bit of confidence in his in his own game or his own ability to sort of take the responsibility, you know, to drive forward and have a have a shot on goal. Because someone with his with his ability and the amount of goals he scored at, at younger level, you would have thought that he would have had at least. A few attempts at goal in those games that he's played.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, but
0: to be fair to him, you, you know, Les, I,
1: I I noticed that when Trent moved into the midfield, he dropped into the hole. Do you know? He, he, he moved back to allow Trent to go forward. Do you know what I mean? So so we we, we don't really know. I I I can't believe Curtis. Who, who, who scores goals? Who is a goal scorer? You know, he scored goals at every level, hasn't he? I, I can't believe that this lad, all of a sudden, has forgot how to score goals, or hasn't got the confidence to drive forward. And I, I, I don't know it. As I say, we're, we're we're not privy to that information. Are we? We 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 are a piece of it. Hit the nail on the head. We, if it's true what they're saying that we're going to buy Mason Mouse, it'll be interesting to see what he brings to the team because he is one of them players that Peter's just been talking about. At Terry Mack, isn't he? He's the player that breaks from deep and breaks, you know, beyond the runner, beyond the forwards. So it's going to be interesting to see whether under the system whether we're going to what kind of midfield we come up with next next year. Because as you say, we've got Pochettino. We've got trends, we've you know, and we're gonna we're gonna buy one or two. It seems that we're gonna buy
0: one or two midfield players. But I, I just think that if you if you take your mind forward, you remember someone called Naby Keita who once played for. There's no, he's still here now, but he's been lesser spotted lately. But if you think about the goals that Naby scored against against Newcastle last season, against Manchester United in the in the five nil game at Old Trafford, breaking forward from the from the midfield into spaces. That, that's the type of thing that I want to see Curtis doing. And Curtis is quite capable uh, of doing that, in my opinion. But for some reason, he doesn't do it. And could it be, Tom? It's the famous C word that I always use, confidence, that he knows so a couple of times to um, to get the confidence that he can do it, to get the confidence of his teammates around him. There no, I, case don't
1: case. So <laughs> I, I don't think so, Les. I don't think so in that in the, so much as that the two games that you picked out in the Manchester United and, and, and the, the Newcastle game, we had Sadio Mane playing, we had, we had Salah playing, you know, and they, they drove, they, they made the gaps, didn't they? Whereas at the moment, I don't think our forward three are really clicking be, because for, for whatever reason, because the midfield is not working properly or or whatever, but the midfield, our forward three, although they're individually they're scoring goals, you know, don't get me wrong. Whereas M- M- Mane and, and Salah played a way, didn't they? They sort of they led from the front, and I don't think we've had anyone who sort of been able to do that this season. And I think that maybe that, that may be, it, do you know what? It'll be better next season when we judge what, when, when, because the team is going to break and it is going to, we are going to come out with a new identity, aren't we, next season. So I, I believe we'll have a better idea of what Curtis will do next year. So Pete, what do you think, mate? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm
2: actually quite, as an old man, I'm quite excited about the, uh, Summer transfer window. I was I, I was talking to my lad before, and there are going to be some casualties. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna hate to see Bobby leave, but I think that's done and dusted. I mean, Naby K said I'll give him a lift whatever he wants. To be honest, um, but we are going to lose others. I mean, I, you know, there are going to be some big name casualties, if that's the right terminology. And then, um, I I think it's going to be a real fascinating summer. Um, and it may not just be the um. The midfield, you know, we we could we could look for another centre half. If, if Joel goes, Joel Matic might go. Um, he might, you know, he might he might sort of try and stick with Joe Gomez. I, I keep talking about these three centre halves and maybe trial it, you know, in a couple of games and just see how we go. Um, I think up front we're sort of, I think we've got everyone we need up front. If no one's going to leave from there, apart from Bobby. But, yeah, I I think there's going to be... Midfield is the place where there's going to be a big turnover of new faces. And, unfortunately, some of the old faces are going to leave us. But maybe that's been our problems this year. Maybe we've wasted 12 months too long to to start the overhaul. And it's come home to roost this season where, you know, midfield, as we all agree, midfield has been our source of downfall in games. So maybe Jürgen's looked at that and he thought, well, that's it, you know, it's time for a, a big overhaul in that uh, in that part of the the team so i'm actually looking forward so i'll have i'll have the transfer window program on 24 7 so we get someone <laughs> <laughs> just before we move on
0: after the uh, and talk about the west ham game and, and the FA cup semi-finals over the weekend i just thought to you thought you your player of the match was on saturday so i'll start with you pete who is your in your opinion who is the player of the match on Saturday. I think, I think, I think the plaudits will
2: probably go to Diogo, Jossifer, his two goals. But I know you said you thought in the second half, Trent faded a bit, but I thought both full backs had good games. I thought Robbo had a really good game as well. Um, So I suppose overall, as I say, the, the you know, if, if it was on the tally live, they would probably give it to Jossifer for getting the goals. But I thought Robbo had a good game on the left side on uh, on Saturday as well. Trent had a great first half. He actually set up the third goal, so he got an assist in the second half as well. But yeah, probably just shade for for Josser for the goals.
1: Tom, yeah, exactly the same. I had to give it Josser uh, just ahead uh, of uh, of Trent. I thought with Robbo. I thought Robbo did. I thought his I thought his defensive work, and I thought he was. I thought he was driving forward quite a lot. I thought the only thing wrong with Robbo a little bit on Saturday on, on Saturday was his, his crossing wasn't at his best, which was which is which is unlike Andy Robbo. I thought he's usually a lot more accurate. But I, I thought he, he played really well. Um and Shrimp Trent basically Trent's, I think in this new role, as we talked about last week, he just looks so much, he looks so confident and he just looks happy less. And a happy, you know, like a happy footballer makes all the difference, doesn't it, I think? I thought Gabco was a bit
0: quiet. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you both. I thought in the first half, Trent was our best player. And then in the second half, Jota come to life and scored two goals. So on the on the balance of that, I would probably just give give it to Jota because of his two goals. Because without those two goals, you're either being in a little bit of trouble. So
2: Just before you finish on that, it was funny we were talking after the game and um, he was saying, one of the lads said, well, you didn't do much else, Jossie. You know, he missed that chant in the first half and he, the goalie made a brilliant save from the header that could have given him his trick." But he said, overall, he didn't give you much. And I said, you know what, he, he's younger than me, this lad. I said, you know what, son? I said, we used to have a player years ago who was a bit like that. And he said, did you? And I said, yeah. it's a John War." He said, he wouldn't do anything and score hat-tricks. I said, mm. and that's what you want. You want someone who just comes alive in the box. remember Johnny Wark. You wouldn't see him, but he'd get a hat-trick.
1: Mm. And I know, yeah. I, know
2: they were, I know they weren't in the same position on the field, but it was similar where you wouldn't notice John Walk, And then when you come away, you've beaten someone four or five. And you think, bloody hell, he's got a hat-trick, that lad. But he didn't put anything into the game. I think Joss had put a lot of energy in. And I say it was unfortunate not to get the hat trick because that was a great save off Navas for the, you know, for the header that would we'll have given him his hat trick. But um, yeah, I think he, I think he deserved to get it because he, you know, it just shows you what a goal does. He got a goal at Leeds and suddenly
0: he's got four in two games now. It's yeah, so you're, totally not, you're not backing me up with the C-word, are you, Pete? That Tommy doesn't like <laughs> confidence. You know
1: what? I don't seaweed. See, where is, uh, the confidence word is—we're talking about a different thing. You're talking about I was talking about mentality. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> the confidence word. Well, we we beg to uh, we we beg to disagree on that on the confidence word. I think he I think he it's he's come back from injury as well, and he's starting to look sharper. And he's had a lot of games now, and he's starting to look better for them games. And I think he's that dead. is getting more confident Tom no I think
0: it's more it's more to do with fitness Les. <laughs> <laughs> anyway but yeah. I'll, I'll, no, we'll move on to the and we're, we're, not, we're going to discuss the FA Cup semi-finals over the weekend not the games themselves but just as as us clear sort of vintage reds as we say we enjoyed FA Cup semi-finals in the good old days when they used to be played uh, you know at, at neutral grounds and um, you know it used to be it used to be, in my opinion, anyway, it was one of the biggest games of the season, if not the biggest game, because you were so close to Wembley yet so far. And I can remember sort of going, I, I think I went to six semifinals, I think, maybe eight before we actually won one. And to lose the semi-final was sort of you, you, the feeling coming out of a ground when you'd lost the semi-final where goes to Wembley was terrible. So I just wonder what you lads thought about. Do you think the two parts of the question really? The first part is, do you think some of the gloss has been taken off going to Wembley because it's not the golden ticket it was anymore? Because you're going for the semi-final and then you're going back there for the final. And then secondly, do you think that just on a pure, you know, common sense? feeling that the, the semi-finals should be played at neutral grounds? Peter, come to you first on this. Yeah. Um, I've,
2: I'm an old traditionalist and I always remember that the, the actual venues for the semi-finals weren't even decided until a draw was made. Um, and we've now got grounds. I mean, we've got Old Trafford, we've got the Etihad up north. Um, I mean, Newcastle's out on a limb a wee bit, to be honest but why, why have we got a traipse all the way down? I mean, it, it was a travesty when we played Everton a few years ago, and he even made it the early kickoff. We were leaving at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to a football match where we should have been going over to Old Trafford. That's what used to happen. We used to go to Old Trafford or Main Road. We, could, As I say, we could go the Essie Had or we could go to Old Trafford. Villa Park's probably big enough now if it was a sudden team in it. It, it is. It is what it is. It's just all about the money, and it's about the television sort of ruling the roofs. The Television don't care that you've got to travel. You know, 200, 200 miles for the, a semi final in London on a Saturday dinner time, or a, you know, I think the Saturday one was actually four thirty. But then, then the problem is, can you make can you make the last train up, up north? And yeah, I mean, we all used to sing, didn't we? We were all going to Wembley. You know, we're on our way to Wembley, but it, it has lost the gloss when you have the semi When you have the semi finals there, and I think it all started. Correct me if I'm wrong. When the Sheffield, both Sheffield clubs got there, I think. I think I think maybe Tottenham and Arsenal, um, were in one final, a uh, semi final, so they gave it to Wembley for that, which logistically you can understand. But then I think both Sheffield clubs said, "Well, why don't we go to Wembley?" And now it is all just about making money because they've got to pay for the new Wembley, haven't they? And it is, it, it's I hate it the fact that and also I hate the fact that they played on separate days. Once again, it's just catered into the armchair fan. Semi-finals were always on a, a Saturday afternoon, and you'd come out the ground whether you'd win or lose, and you'd find out either who you were gonna play or who you could have been playing. And it was all part of the magic of the FA Cup and I only watched um, a bit of the United game yesterday. Um, but I believe on the Saturday, the City-Sheffield United game, a lot of empty seats there. And even when we played City, I think last season, they covered our, some of their seats with a big flag. They couldn't sell out there. So, yeah, I think there's certainly an argument to have them get the draw done and then maybe pick the venue. But I don't think it'll ever happen
1: in the next few years anyway. Tom, what do you think? I thought it's been funny all week on Twitter. Les, they've been showing, they've been showing semi-final games. You know, and we were we were discussing earlier in the week about the eighty-five semi semi-final at Goodison. You know, against Liverpool, and Manchester United, two two tribes going to war basically in a football match in every way. But they showed you the highlights of the game, and you can't say that that being away from Wembley the you know we don't get an atmosphere at a semi-final at a neutral ground you do it's the opposite isn't it going to wembley it should be the the, the reward of your semi-finals shouldn't it? i think mm. we need to go back to that I, I, I think they've taken away an awful lot of them the FA cup and I think as peter said I think when Tottenham and Arsenal they, they, they allowed them to play it that was seen as a way of making money but I would go back to, to, to neutral grounds right away. Uh, yeah, I think because I think it makes a better game. I think, the, you know, and then you've got the prize of going to Wembley. A team gets to the semi-final and they class it as a success, you know, yeah. whereas I think the success should be,
0: be getting to the final. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think that the, um, the FA... Cup finals should be played at neutral grounds, and I also think they both should be played on the same day, possibly not at the same time now, because of you know for, because of the way television rules the roost. But they certainly could be played on the same day, and even have a kickoff, you know, at one o'clock and at six o'clock or something like that. And then even if the the you know the 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 embargo was still in place, you know, they could kick the air. Uh, the game's off on the Saturday at four o'clock instead of three o'clock, so there would be a way around it, but yet the the atmospheres, for me, were much better at neutral grounds than they were, you know, they've ever been at Wembley for semi-finals, and it used to be, it used to be the taunt, didn't it, to the opposition fans, and we got it ourselves, if you were losing, you know, we're on the march with whoever's army, we're all going to Wembley, and and your end would be really quiet because you could see that that sort of day out in May taking being taken away from you. And it was it was a fantastic feeling when you when you'd won and you'd then look forward and start planning your trip down to Anfield South in May. And you know, when you lost, you'd be really quiet on the coach or in the car coming home or on the train. You know what I mean? It was like part of your world had collapsed. So yeah, I think for for everybody's sake, it'll also make Wembley that little bit more special. Because, as I say, years ago, I mean, when when I was a kid, I always wanted to go to Wembley, and to try and get a ticket for Wembley was was actually like gold dust. So the first time you got got a ticket, it was like you'd won the lottery. Whereas now, there's that many games played at Wembley. It's not the it's not the sacred place that it that it once was. And I think they need to try and get it back to a little bit of the, the mysteries around it. But as both Pete and Tommy have said, and I totally agree with them, that it's all about money for the FA and paying off the new Wembley. But when you've got, when you've got your major competition and it's being televised worldwide and there's banners covering seats because clubs can't sell the tickets, then that, that's equally embarrassing for the FA. So they need to have a look at it. And come up with a decision that's, that benefits everybody and not just the FA. Go to neutral grounds, play them both on a Saturday. And as you both said, wait till the draw and then name the venues and then go from there because there's enough of them now. Even in London now, yeah, unless Tottenham and Arsenal are involved in the semi final, you could use either of day grounds to host the semi final now. And, you know, next season, for example, Liverpool will be up to 61,000. So, if Liverpool win in the semi-final, it was two Northern teams. You know, Anfield could be used, Old Trafford could be used, the empty ad could be used and be full for the first time in its history. So... let's
2: have some when it's full, nice. the empty ad. I was, the like, Stone Ro- I was watching the Stone Roses, by the way, at the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice one piece. But yeah, but yeah, so, you know, let's hope common sense prevails and, and we get some tradition back in football and you know, there's a lot of traditions gone, but let's try and get the FA Cup semi-finals to be played again at neutral grounds and get good atmospheres. Let's get the grounds full and let's try and get the FA Cup back to be in the competition it was. And while you're at it, your FA, get the kickoff back to three o'clock on a Saturday, not half five. So the when fans are travelling down to to Wembley to watch their team play, they can get home in plenty of time to be able to celebrate. With the mates and the friends and the family who haven't been lucky enough to go down to Wembley, if they've actually won the cup, because by the time you get them back now, it's the early hours of the morning. You know, you're shattered, and all the celebrations have died down. So you're taking away a lot of the enjoyment that we had back in the day. Anyway, we'll now move on until and um, and um, preview the game against West Ham, um, at at uh, on Wednesday night. So, Tom, the game seems a little bit more difficult now than it did a couple of weeks ago because West Ham have started to pick up a little bit of form. they won away at Fulham. Uh, they got a draw with Arsenal. They've got through to the semi-finals of the uh, European competition. And last night, they won 5-0 away at Bournemouth. So their confidence is going to be high going into the game. On a plus point from our point of view, though, they seem to be, I think, they're now safe. I don't think the fear of relegations there, so there's a possibility with the European semi-final coming up that David Moyes could possibly rest a few players. What do you think? Yeah, possibly, Les. I think they, it is a bad time to. It is. I, I think it,
1: it's funny. It's it's always a ground. It's always a difficult ground to go to anyhow, isn't it? when they, it's a difficult ground to go to when they find a bit of form. But I, I think bizarrely enough, I think this might be a game. That will suit Liverpool, because I don't think, uh, I don't think that that they they will sort of sit back and uh, and let you know like try to hit us on the break on the low block. I think they'll come out, and I've always said I think teams that come out and open up to Liverpool to allow Liverpool to play, I think we always tend to do well against them. I think Peter hit the nail on the head before. I think the one big worry for me, I'm not worried about any of the West Ham team, not even Declan Rice. The one big worry for me is Antonio because he's a handful at the best of times. Um, He's a a bigger handful when he's full of confidence and scoring goals, which he is at the moment. But, you know, I I think we've got enough players that can cause them problems, really. They are a bit they're still a bit at miss, aren't they? Some, you know, like, although they've, they've, the last couple of games they've done really well, they've been, like, they've been a bit misfiring. They've, they've had a few dodgy results as well. So, I think we can get at them and beat them. I really do. I think Liverpool now are playing with... I think what happened at New, New Newcastle uh, on, on Sunday will have, we'll have taken a little bit of pressure off Liverpool. Because I think... I think realistically, I think fourth place is going to be really difficult because I can't see, I can't see Newcastle dropping that amount of points for us to be able to get into fourth place. So I, I think with a little bit of pressure off them, they might relax a little bit, and I think Liverpool, it, the game mightn't be as bad as as what we were expecting. You know, Pete, what do you
2: think, mate? Yeah, I think I'm glad. West Ham have got through to the semi-final in Europe. Um I think if they'd have I think if they still been scrapping for points, I think it could have been a far more difficult game. I actually I've not never been to this new ground at West Ham, but I believe it's quite a soulless place. I always thought uh, Upton Park or the Berlin ground, as they called it, was far more difficult to play at. Because literally the crowd are on you on the touchline, you know. Um, so it could well be that Moyes might rest the and I, I don't know when the first leg of the semi-finals are. I don't even know who they've been drawn against, to be honest. Um, but he may look now at the table and think, well, I think they're on 34 points or something like that. So he they, they should, they should be relatively safe now. I think you're looking at the table and it could you could still maybe include Bournemouth on 33. But realistically, I think it's Leeds United down to Southampton. It's going to be three from them um five so yeah I think he could he you know boys could look at it as an opportunity he may have got to pick a couple of knocks up at Bournemouth at the weekend and he might just rest certain players but um I think I'd prefer to go here than the Berlin ground looking for points and although we'd love to make fourth it's not a must win game for Liverpool I think I think we we sort of know where we're going now I think we I think we will get into Europe but whether it'll be the Europa. Or the conference is another thing. Um, so you can expect a difficult game against them, and the crowd will be up because obviously that you know they're safe now. So the, the crowd will make it a an atmosphere. But I know people who've been there before, and they said it's a pretty soulless place. This new ground, it's not a nice not a nice environment to watch a football match. To be honest, there is an athletics track with a pitch, a football pitch in the middle. So I fancy us if you do want to play a bit of you know football without any restraints and they're not worrying. You might come out and ask us a bit more and that might um, give us the opportunity to, to hit them on the break and, and find gaps in them, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be a difficult game. I think that if Liverpool get the first goal, you know, West Ham might get a bit jittery and Liverpool could go on and, and win by two or three. If West Ham score first, it'll give them the confidence to carry on the good form that they've had over the previous couple of weeks, so it'll be very interesting to see how the game plays out. And you know, Liverpool have got to go out there and start the game quickly and take control of the game. And it will be interesting to see what starting lineup, Jurgen names, and going on that. Pete, what what starting lineup would you make, mate? Um, I
2: would keep the back four, obviously Ali and goal. Keep the back four. I'm just wondering whether he might give Cody a rest and bring Nunes in from the start. You um, may. I wonder if he even decides to. to st- I don't think he'll start Diaz. To be honest, I think he got what 15 minutes Saturday, so he might. You know, you might leave him in reserve. He doesn't want to push him too hard. But like you say, it's probably the midfield where they might. He might change things. Uh, I mentioned Harvey Elliott before. You may start with Thiago rather than on the bench. So I think if any anywhere's going to be, um, there's going to be changes, I would suspect it will be in the middle of the park, to be honest. So what trio would you go with then in the middle of the park then, Pete? I think I'd start Thiago, Um, probably Henderson, just as a start. And just to keep you happy, I think I'd start with Harvey. Thanks, just, just to spice it up a bit, you know,
1: yeah. just to spice it up. Tom, what would you go with? I think I think peace has gone uh, more or less right. I think I think Nunes might start as I think uh, I think he might he, he might leave out he might leave out Capco or you might he wouldn't surprise you to be even if he left out Jota. You know, it, he's gonna he's gonna. Uh, we've got a few games coming up. He's got so we got Tottenham on we, the weekend and i think so i think he he's going to give Nunes a game so someone will make way for him i don't think diaz will start although i think he get much longer than than he got in the first game i think the midfield i think the back four is more or less is, is more or less nailed on i can't see any changes to the back four unless there's injuries um midfield i think you'll go with Thiago. i think you'll go with, i think you'll go with with I think he might go with Fabinho, and he might leave Henderson out. And I think he might go with Milner, probably in in, in midfield. I don't think he'll go with Rvelli. Elliott. I don't think he'll go with 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 Curtis this week because um, he's played like sort of three on the trot. So I think he might go with James Milner.
0: I well for my two penates worth, I I think goalkeeper and back four will be the same. I think Nunes could probably come in for, for Gappo with Salah and, and Jota. And in midfield, I do think Curtis will start again. I also think Fabinho will start purely on the basis that he took him off 10 minutes into the second half um, on Saturday. So we'll have had some sort of rest where Henderson played the ninety minutes. And I think that um, Thiago will also start. And I think that then, for the weekend against Tottenham, I think Henderson will start and for being my, and I just think that despite what I've said about Curtis Jones earlier in the pod, I just think he needs to run the games to to see what he can do to see what his level really is see see that he gets the confidence of the manager, see that he gets the confidence of the other players, and hopefully as the as the games progress between now and the end of the season, he'll show more of his um of his two is true self, really, and not just the safe cases that we've been seeing lately. So I'd like to see him get another start, see how he does, and then then take it from there for the rest of the season. So um, just let's hope we come away with three points. So just before we move on and before I ask you for your predictions, Tom, you wanted to say a few words about one oh, of our
1: listeners? Yeah, I'd, like, I'd just like to say a special mention for, for, for Betty Wagstaff. Who, who's our oldest Our oldest listener and She's 90 years of age And sends our, our pod out Onto uh, our, our family in Europe And she listens all the time So I'd like to say a special mention to, to Keith and to Betty So yeah Thanks Les So Tom after that what's your prediction then for tomorrow I'm
0: going for Liverpool To win 3-1 Okay I'll go I'll go for 2-0 and then I'll go to Pete for your prediction, Pete. And then after you've given us prediction, your prediction, can you go on to your double agents, please, mate? Yeah, I can do. Uh, unfortunately, I think we will concede. <clears throat> so I'll go
2: for a nervy 2-1. I, I normally, I like 3-1. It's a nice score, that. But I think we'll go for 2-1. And we'll be uh, asking for the final whistle with a few minutes to go again. But I think we might concede. I, c- I can see that West Ham will have maybe done the homework and unless we sharpen up at the back, certainly on corners and throw-ins, I can see us conceding a goal. But I'll go for the two-one win for the Reds. And
0: so now you've got
2: Yeah, I was gonna say once again, I was quite surprised actually, before I actually do any research on this, I tried to think of the players that come to mind. And I, I wouldn't say I was struggling, but I was quite surprised that in you know, pretty recent years, there's been 24 players, I think it is, or even 28. Who have played for both Liverpool and West Ham United? Um, one of our one of our Nottingham Forest uh, contingent that was on double agent Paul chesky He's one of them. He only played fifteen games for us. But looking through um, the list that I got, Ray Houghton has actually a, was played one game for West Ham, and then he moved to Fulham. So that was his early career. So he, he qualifies. Unfortunately, there's another qualifier and I feel so sorry for this lad. He was a brilliant player for us, Rob Jones. Great full-back, but he never scored for us, but he was an excellent... He, I think he made his debut against United and he thought Ryan Giggs was going to absolutely murder him and he had him in his pocket. But he, he tried to make a comeback at West Ham from injury and I think he only lasted a half. He broke down and they took him off at half-time. So he, he was a good player, Rob. Um. One of the best midfielders in the world, as the song goes, Javier Mascherano. He played 94 games for us while he only played. He was a surprise when West Ham bought him. Uh, I didn't know where that came from. It was a bit left field, but he, he played 94 for us. And then reading down the list, some of the older ones, Don Hutchison, who played 45 games for us, and then he had two spells at West Ham, totaling just under 100 games for West Ham in two, in two periods. Stuart Downing. He played actually a few more games for West Ham than he played for us. Um, I didn't know, I didn't realise that um, it was the one, David Speedy, actually played 11 games for West Ham. He only played a dozen games for Liverpool, but he he obviously got that goal in the derby and I think he scored a goal up at Old Trafford as well, Speedy. Um, But he, he he was at West Ham for 11 games and then there's a couple of couple of uh, players that didn't really do themselves justice. One was Julian Dix, who soon has brought in for his uh, I was going to say, I don't know what word to use for Julian Dix. He was a bit of a, but I think he scored the last goal in front of the standing cup for Liverpool, Julian Dix. And then Robbie Keane, again another one who, who failed to make any impression at Anfield. He, he played nine games as well for West Ham. And then another one who didn't really make it, and I was so disappointed because when we signed him, I thought he was going to be a great player for us was Joe Cole. And he had two, two, two goals at West Ham. He played 126, and then a the 31. But there's other names I didn't realize. below had gone to West Ham on loan. He, he played three games. Uh, Titi Kamara, uh, David Burroughs, another one, and and you can and the final one I'll say because I know he's he's a mate of yours, Les Neil Mellor. Was down at West Ham for a, a few games as well, so there's quite a few. Obviously, David James, the goalie, we all know about. So you could pick a, you could pick a one to eleven from the the players that have played for both sides. But um, you, some names, some names there, some good names.
0: Yeah, one you missed there, Pete. When when we signed Julian Dix, went in the opposite direction with David Buddles was Mike Marsh. Yeah, Mike Marsh is there. He played.
2: Let me see. we have got it all down here, Mike. Mike Marsh. He played forty nine games for West Ham. Played sixty nine for us, and he he actually played forty nine games for West Ham. Um, so yeah, I was I was surprised when I saw the list, and I was I was making notes, and I thought, God, I didn't realise just how many. And as I say, there's a couple of double agents that play for other clubs, and I'm sure there'll be there'll be more when I look forward to Tottenham. First one that pops out for that is Robbie Keane again.
0: Yeah, as I have to say, I had the right smile when you mentioned Paul Konczewski and he played 15 games for Liverpool. As far as I'm concerned, and I think every other Liverpool fan, we were unfortunate enough to witness any of those 15 appearances. They were 15 too many. Yeah. <laughs> I think, think playing.
2: I say play, he put a
0: shirt on and ran on the pitch. Yeah, but, but I, do you know Julian Dix was a, was
1: a big favourite to West Ham as well. He a piece yeah. of body. He was, yeah. a, you know, like he was an idol there. He I think he him. might still be at the backroom staff now. I think he does, yeah. he does some coaching there, Julian Dix. Yeah. He, he was yeah. just that he was a maniac, wasn't he? That was the yeah. problem. Yeah. He, was you a know, like, he'd come down to good Liverpool and he... I was he trying was to bad. be polite. I think Sooners
2: brought another one who goes into that category, but maybe not as I don't think we, it was directly with West Ham. But I think Neil Ruddock had a spell there as well. Yeah, he played. He played there, and I think at the time Sui was just trying to add a bit of steel to the team, wasn't he? And you know,
1: yeah.
2: but, but yeah. I think his card was marked because didn't his mum say something derogatory about Liverpool?
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> his yeah.
2: card was marked.
0: <laughs> from that day on, to be yeah, I think I think in one of the wait games, somebody called him a useless cockney, you know what. And, <laughs> and his mother was was sort of sad not far away. And and she took exception to it and and went to the press and said, you know, I'd just like to inform you the older Liverpool fans that he's not he's not useless. He's, he might be a cockney, but he's certainly not a whatever <laughs> the word was he used. Anyway, that's just on that on that note, I think. It's <laughs> pod. Yeah, just one more
2: I forgot to mention. And yeah. As soon as they say him, it will bring a smile to your face, this fella, because he had such a funny rum but Rigger bear song. Aww. Yeah, everyone, everyone loved them.
0: Yeah. The on, that are- note, <laughs> on that note, we've only got one song. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to sing it tonight. You'll be happy to know. So, so anyway, everybody, once again, that's the end of the latest edition of the LFC Red Poets podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening. We'll be back later in the week to look back at the game against West Ham and preview the Tottenham game. And once again, don't bite the sun. Justice for the 97 and you'll never walk alone. Until next time, see you soon.